0: Back to throw to Patrick. Throw it high into the air. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow.
1: What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, Mel Kuyper has a new mock draft, and Daniel Jeremiah published his Dolphins Dream Mock. We're going to cover both of those and get more into the draft, as we are just one month away from the draft kicking off as scheduled, as planned, on April 23rd. Plus, we had video conferences with the new free agents for your Miami Dolphins. We're going to cover those quotes and give you a preview of our film review podcast coming up next week. All of that and more here on this Friday, March the 27th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. So we had a Mel Kuyper conference call on Wednesday where he discussed some Dolphins options in the draft. And he also published his most recent mock draft up on ESPN. But first, I want to get to Daniel Jeremiah because I love the way he comprehensively covers this thing in terms of who are the best players on his board. How does he think the draft will unfold? And I love having that two-pronged approach because those two answers should be different. Teams value players different than other teams, and scouts all have differing opinions on players. So that's what makes the draft so great is the variety and all these mock drafts and all these ideas. But to me, Jeremiah covers it so comprehensively because he'll give you team needs or talk about specific team fits. And so he laid out his perfect Dolphins draft for picks 5, 18, 26, 39, and 56, the first two rounds of the draft, and I want to go ahead and go over that here on the podcast and give you a bit of insight on the players he selected for Miami at those spots. And the nice thing you notice here is that he considers these first two rounds to be really premium picks. And the Dolphins have five picks in those two rounds. So five premium picks to add to this roster. And if you guys have seen my Twitter timeline at Wingfield NFL, I tweeted out a PFF graphic that shows the impact of free agency and the improvement of every single roster in the NFL, whether it was adding wins or losing wins. And they're basing it off war, which I know is a baseball stat, wins above replacement, but it applies to football as well and in terms of value added to the roster only the Arizona Cardinals added more war to their organization this offseason in free agency and the Dolphins have just done so well to add core parts to the football team not just fixing needs on the roster but adding the same type of players the same character the same theme within these players and giving themselves so much flexibility on draft day and if you heard the interviews with each of those players on the Drive Time podcast, you'll recognize that theme and recognize that the Dolphins' vision was very singular this offseason in terms of getting everybody on the same page. And you're also going to notice that in the quotes today we have on this podcast from the video conference call with the entire Dolphins and South Florida media with each of the Dolphins' free agents. So we'll get to that here in just one second. But I want to get back to the stream draft from Daniel Jeremiah, the fifth pick in the draft, quarterback to Watunga He has him listed there. We've heard him his podcast co-host Bucky Brooks refer to Tua as the best quarterback in this draft above Joe Burrow, who right now has been the consensus number one overall pick on NFL.com, on ESPN.com, on the Draft Network, pretty much any website you want to look at, Joe Burrow goes number one overall to the Bengals, but there are also plenty of scouts that have Tua as their number one quarterback like Bucky Brooks, and here his co-host list. Tunga Vailoa, as the best option at number five for this Dolphins football team. And if you haven't seen it yet, Tua himself posted a video to his Instagram showing him working out, and there was some pretty, pretty... Strong reaction to that video surfacing and what it might mean about his medicals going forward. And obviously, I'm not going to speculate on that because all we have available to that is the video and what he looked like. But the reactions from several media major outlets referring to Tua looking much better than they anticipated he would at this stage of his recovery showed you the footwork. And that's been something in Tua's game that has always been strong is that strong lower half and the mechanical proficiency and how smooth and easy glide he is working below the waist getting into his drop, getting into his setup, and the ability to both get off the spot when he senses pressure, but also get himself to his next target and the next read in the progression to work through those progressions and get the football out quickly and help his offensive line that way, help his receivers that way. If you hear any receiver talk about playing the position in the NFL, they will, to a man, tell you that they want the ball out quick. Get it out now. I'm open right now. Give me a chance to make a play. And that's been a strength of Tua's game because both his feet and his eyes work at ultimate proficiency in terms of speed and processing they're hardwired together and that allows him to make his decisions but also execute those decisions as quickly as he makes them within his mind so a great combination there for a quarterback Jeremiah thinks that that makes Tua Tungavailoa the best option at number 5 for the Dolphins in this upcoming draft at number 18 going a little bit off the reservation here in terms of what the general consensus has been at this spot and I actually saw Jeremiah tweet this guy could be the first receiver off the entire board and that is Tua Tungavailoa's Alabama teammate not Jerry Judy but Henry Ruggs so Daniel Jeremiah the Move the Sticks podcast host and lead draft analyst for NFL Network has Tua going at number five to the Dolphins in his dream draft and Henry Ruggs the speed receiver number 18 going to Miami Out of Alabama and Henry Ruggs won the entire combine in terms of the 40-yard dash time. That was to be expected. He actually had a chance, a lot of people thought, to break John Ross's 4-2-2 40-yard dash record set back in 2016. I want to say it was. And he didn't hit that. He hit 4-2-7 on the 40-yard dash. But this guy is much more than just a speed receiver. He can really run routes. He can really get in and out of breaks. He can play inside. He can play outside. And he is a production machine. Caught 25 touchdowns on 96 targets or 96 touches, I should say, in his college career. So pretty much 25% of the time, one out of every four touches he has Goes to the house. This guy is electric when he gets the football. He can take slants to the house. He can get by you vertically. Really, really electrifying player. And as some are saying, one of the top receivers on this draft board that could go in the top 10, maybe even number one receiver off the board overall. For Jeremiah at number 26, offensive tackle Austin Jackson out of USC. And if you haven't heard this guy's story, you're missing out. One of the players in this draft that I think helps us kind of maintain perspective about what we do in football in terms of what life means, because this guy essentially bypassed an entire offseason where he couldn't really fully work out because he donated bone marrow to his sister, who was a perfect blood match and needed that transplant so she could continue her life as is. And Jackson was the first one to step in and make that happen. So he pretty much sacrificed his offseason workout regimen. And Jeremiah has referred to this on the Move the Sticks podcast that he and people around the USC program mentioned it took some time for him to get back but once he did and once he got to full strength he was back to his same self and he's just 20 years old so the upside on this tackle with rare rare athletic traits he's a big big guy and I think that he really attaches himself to that leadership mentality I mean what more leadership and selfless mentality can you exhibit than putting someone else over yourself when it comes to your profession and life just the ultimate selfless sacrifice for Austin Jackson and he's a damn good football player too at 39 here on Daniel Jeremiah's Dolphins dream draft is Marlon Davidson out of Auburn the defensive lineman and he lists him as a defensive end but really this guy can play anywhere along that defensive line we talk about techniques in this podcast all the time pretty much what you're looking at is over the nose tackle is a zero technique and that's going to range all the way out to what's called a wide nine technique and that's the widest alignment for a down defensive lineman but Davidson can pretty much play anywhere between I I wouldn't even put him past playing the nose tackle position. He can play that one tech. He can kick all the way out to the five, maybe even the seven and the seven is going to be the one that lines up out wide around the tight end. Five over the ta- or on the outside shoulder of the offensive tackle and your two techniques and three techniques are going to be more condensed inside and Davidson can do that and he has the lateral agility and quickness and the arm and hand work to make himself kind of skinny and tough to block when he shoots those gaps and dives in and twists and slants and stunts and runs all the games you can do on a- defensive line this guy can get it done in a variety of ways and Joe Burrow himself we talked about the consensus or sort of the consensus number one overall quarterback in this draft he talked about the toughest game that he played last year was against Auburn and it was the game where the LSU offense this high-flying record-setting offense was really restricted more than it had been at any point in the season he talked about how that matchup was so difficult because that Auburn front line was able to give them so many issues up front and LSU is going to put three four of guys on their offensive line into the draft, but because of guys like Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson, the Auburn defensive line was tough to deal with for that LSU high-flying offense, and I think Davidson's a great fit in terms of what he can do, play multiple positions, can rush the passer, set a hard edge, a good pick there at number 39, according to Daniel Jeremiah, and we talked about the LSU offensive line, pick number 56 in Jeremiah's dream Dolphins draft. Interior offensive line, he played center last year for LSU, Lloyd Cushenberry, and I really fell in love with this guy in the post-season scouting process, watching his work at the Senior Bowl because he just takes such good angles to the football. He can really drop that anchor and drop that lower half and squat and hold up the pressure in terms of bull rushes. He can mirror in terms of quickness and going back and forth and passing off stunts and games. Very smart, heady type of football player. Big time leader. We detailed him in the scouting combine preview here back in my first week on the job for the Miami Dolphins here on the Drive Time Podcast, part of the official Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, we previewed Cushenberry and some of the character background and character detail of him, and he was awarded with the right to wear a number 18 jersey for LSU, a distinction given to two players on that team, one on offense, one on defense. Caleb Chason wore it on the defensive side of the ball. cushionberry wore it on the offensive side of the ball Well, he wore it in practice because Restrictions didn't allow the offensive lineman to wear the number 18 jersey, but he earned that, and that 18 jersey represents... Representing the state of Louisiana, representing the LSU football program and everything they stand for both in excellence on and off the field. So there's your character check, there's your leadership, there's your selfless mentality. And I think Jeremiah does a good job hitting on those notes here with that vision for leadership. Guys that are willing to make the sacrifices necessary to become great football players and they can jive in with a positive locker room mentality, a positive locker room mindset. Something we're going to hear about from several of the Dolphins' newest free agent additions here in just one sec. But before we do that by Loa, Henry Ruggs, Austin Jackson, Marlon Davidson, Lloyd Cushenberry, Jeremiah's top five picks in his dream Dolphins draft. I want to get now over to the Mel Kuyper mock draft. And Kuiper has no variation with his fifth pick in the draft for the Miami Dolphins. But first, I want to read his top five picks of this ESPN 3.0 mock draft. It was published on March 24th. He has Joe Burrow going to the Bengals number one, Chase Young going to Washington number two, the defensive end from Ohio State, highly regarded as the best player in this draft by many, many draft pundits, including the Draft Network. Jeff Okuda, the top cornerback in this year's class, pretty much unanimously across the board, goes to Detroit to take over for Darius Slay there in the Lions, and then the Giants come back with Isaiah Simmons, the versatile, do everything linebacker there from Clemson. Although you can play him at safety, you can play him at slot cornerback, you can play him on your defensive line. Can do everything. At pick number five, he has the Dolphins taking again quarterback Tua Tonga And since we already covered Tua's footwork and the processing and the feet being hardwired to the eyes, let's talk now about his long ball. Because in that same video where he posted his workout. And he put a caption on it of practicing social distancing with the long ball. And so the sense of humor clearly is there, but so is that long ball in his repertoire. We've talked about this on previous podcasts about how he essentially played in three separate offenses in his three years there at Alabama. His first year coming off the bench in that national championship game in 2017, really ran a lot of zone read, had 12 carries in that game and only played the second half, but then comes back in overtime and hits the big game winner touchdown pass to Devonta Smith after he took a sack on first down, gets himself into some hot water and then rescues it after that with a big time touchdown throw with great anticipation, really impressive trajectory and perfect accuracy on that throw. And that's kind of what he does to put the ball downfield on those arcing deep throws. He throws it with anticipation. He recognizes the coverage and gets that thing out quickly and gives this player a chance to run underneath it and make a big play after the catch. And that was really the theme of the 2018 Alabama offense was taking those vertical shots and taking advantage of of all those speed and dynamic round one type receivers they had there at Alabama. Then you come back this season and he changed coordinators again and turns into more of a let's take what the defense gives us. Let's stay on schedule. Let's be smart about our decisions here and just really make this offense click and give these playmakers opportunities. And he was so sharp in that area, getting the ball out underneath, getting the ball to his checkdowns, moving the defense with his eyes and putting the football where it had to go. So you look at his tape throughout the course of his college career, intermediate, short, deep. Whatever it was, he really excelled throwing the football to all areas of the field. Now, there are two more picks in this first round mock draft for Mel Kuyper up on ESPN. Mock draft. 3.0. He has the Dolphins taking a running back at pick number 18, Georgia's DeAndre Swift. And my favorite thing personally about DeAndre Swift is how smooth he catches the football as a pass catcher and then turns right upfield and there's no lost movement. Like sometimes you'll see a player catch the ball and they kind of have to regather and get themselves squared upfield but he just catches that thing seamlessly and turns it and goes. It's really impressive and you see that in his running ability as well. A one cut guy that can really explode through the hole, really be dynamic at the point and make guys miss in the open field or in short spaces so he gives you a major shot in the arm to the tailback position as well and then at pick 26 he has Miami taking offensive tackle out of Houston Josh Jones and talking about the senior bowl and Lloyd Cushenberry, I don't think anybody showed better improvement throughout the senior bowl week than Josh Jones and that's the number one thing you look for at the senior bowl is how does a guy respond to the Tuesday practice when you kind of load up all this install on them and then for the course of Wednesday and Thursday in the one-on-one drills, understanding what the coaches want out of you, how much improvement can you show? And Josh Jones was so locked down on that Thursday practice that took place indoors there, down in Mobile at their facility, and he was just locking guys up, and he was matching the speed rushes, mirroring, working back inside, redirecting, all the stuff you want to see from an elite left tackle prospect. Josh Jones was doing that, and so Mel Kuyper has him at pick 26 for Miami, blocking for DeAndre Swift and Tua Tungavailoa in an offense-heavy draft. For Mel Kuiper on ESPN. And where his theme on the draft was on offense, the Dolphins signed 10 players in free agency, seven of those coming on the defensive side of the football. And we'll talk to some of those guys here on the podcast later or play their audio from their media press conferences via Zoom over the video platform here on this Thursday, recording this podcast for Friday, March the 27th. But I want to get to an interview Kyle Van Noy did with Ian Rappaport on the Rap Sheet and Friends podcast back on March 16th just before he signed on March 18th with the Miami Dolphins. And Rapshi asked him a question heading into free agency, how his mindset might change as he goes out to the free agent market and does not have a team. And here was Kyle's answer, which I found found to be very refreshing and very enlightening from the Dolphins' new linebacker.
0: You know, I, I don't think my mindset is going to change at all as far as the player I am or how i envision and my goals each and every year always to get better always to be a leader on the team and just be disruptive um now it's hopefully being able to set up my family and um be with the team or go back to a team that views me as a priority
1: And that same mindset, that same mentality on a daily basis has been one of the themes of Brian Flores' core tenets that he wants to build here in Miami. So you can definitely see the relationship there between he and Kyle Van Noy and how Van Noy can really perpetuate that message throughout the locker room, throughout the team, and throughout the building in South Florida. Now, there was another great question about Playing multiple positions and comparing Kyle Van Noy to the Honey Badger to Tyron Matthew, who moves all across the formation. Obviously, Tyron Matthew plays on the back seven, Van Noy in the front seven. But the comparison is apt. And Rapshi ended the question by asking him, "Where do you want to play in terms of which position?" Here was Van Noy's answer:
0: "Yeah, that's. Uh, so the, the, I love that question because I don't necessarily compare myself to Honey Badger at, at all. Because you know, I I don't." like to get compared to other players I'm my own player I I just try to I try to tell people that that's me and him have that same mindset as far as he doesn't care about playing safety nickel corner it doesn't matter he's on the field that's my same mindset it doesn't matter if I'm DN inside linebacker outside linebacker I'm lined up over the the damn center. I, I just love and have a passion for football and want to be the best of my ability. And, you know, with that being said, you don't, I'm never going to probably be in that category of the pro bowls or the all pros, because I don't have a position. You got to have a position to win those things right. like, and I'm okay with that because I, I love football Obviously, I want those things. Those are personal goals. But at the end of the day, I want to win. And that's my mindset. Uh, I want to do whatever it takes to win football games.
1: I mean... What more do you need to hear than that right there? That is Brian Flores' message resonating through a player into the locker room, into the building, like I mentioned. Just the perfect answer to that question. Wants to win, doesn't care about individual accomplishment, individual accolades, wants to be able to play multiple positions and impact the game, help his teammates. You just love that answer from Kyle Van Noy. And on the topic of good answers at press conferences among these free agents, we, the Dolphins media, had a chance to catch up with eight of the 10 free agent signings on Zoom video conferences on Thursday. And I want to just go through and mention some of the top quotes that I pulled from these interviews and try to find some different quotes compared to what we got on the interviews in the Drive Time podcast last week. And if you guys want to see these interviews in their entirety, you can find them on YouTube, the Miami Dolphins official YouTube channel, or anywhere you get your Dolphins information on socials, the website. We're going to have this content for you guys everywhere we have content. But I want to go through some of the quotes that I found interesting or intriguing so far on these interviews. And we're just going to go ahead and go in order of how these interviews were laid out to us very first up. On our little interview circuit, was linebacker Elandon Roberts. And he said something that I found very intriguing about not having the ability to take free agent visits and how much of a factor that was for him in his free agency period and how much it might have hampered him. And he basically said it wasn't a factor because he knew the kind of program that Brian Flores ran and how he knew that everybody in that building would be of a similar mindset of an intense workman like mindset. And you can just tell the infectious personality, the infectious work ethic that Brian Flores breeds in Miami and these free agents to a man, they all agree that's the reason they wanted to come here Ted Karras talked to me about drinking a gallon of milk every day back in high school. He talked about the leadership aspect of Brian Flores, but I want to mention another thing he said here about his workout regimen so far during coronavirus. He said that his neighbor across the street has a weight rack in his garage, so he goes over there and lifts weights in the garage and then runs up and down the streets and gets his band work in as well, but he also made a really good point about how He perceives Brian Flores' defense playing on the other side of the football. And he mentioned that, you know, he was a sixth offensive lineman, the interior reserve offensive lineman for the Patriots for those years that Brian Flores coached the linebackers and the defensive coordinator there in New England. And he mentioned that with a Brian Flores defense, you're going to have big, tough guys on that defensive line. Anytime you play Flores' teams, it's going to be a tough day for the guys inside. Lots of hitting and covering guys up. And the covering guys up reference is just about alignment, where they align pre snap. But the physical aspect, the hitting thing, that's no secret. We talked to Brian Flores at training camp last year. Every single day, he made the message the point we got to beat blocks, we got to tackle, we got to block guys on the other side of the football. And so when it comes to the physical aspect of the game, he really reinforces that mentality. It's big for him to be physical and to be the tougher player in every single game. Up next was Byron Jones, and he too, like these other guys, was fantastic on the interviews. He had a great quote where he talked about wanting to be the catalyst for the culture in Miami and how pumped up and excited he is to come to Miami because it's a team with a direction, a team on the come up, and that he recognized that pretty much from his own perspective, but also throughout the rest of the league, that everybody he spoke to, and you guys heard this on Drive Time, everybody that Byron Jones spoke to said that Brian Flores, or just had great things to say about Brian Flores, he said, End quote, Flo is a young coach. He's got young energy. I heard he's intense. I talked to a lot of people throughout the league. And they all had great things to say about Brian Flores. He also was asked about his teammates that were added to the roster. And Jones wasn't shy about it. We got some ballers, he said. No doubt about that. He's excited to be a part of this defense, this new direction, and the challenges of being a leader and being the vocal voice in the locker room for your Miami Dolphins. So getting the production and the leadership aspect from Byron Jones as a priority. I think Miami struck gold there. He also joked about his interception total and how, Yeah, he's got to do better picking the football off and mentioned that his ball production is not quite there yet, but not so fast, my friend. 43 career pass breakups, that's ball production right there, getting your hands on the football. The football shaped weird, man. Like, you're not going to catch it every single time, especially when you're playing in that tight coverage, staying in phase, staying in tight man coverage. It's tough to get picks when you're doing that. And if he can just break the pass up and take guys out of the route concept altogether, I mean... If you're not getting targeted, that means you're probably doing your job. So I th- I think that that whole thing is completely overblown. He has fantastic ball production with 43 career pass breakups in the NFL. We then had a chance to catch up with Jordan Howard, new Dolphins running back. And he brings that physical mentality to his interviews, to the game, to the locker room. That's what he wants to do. He, someone asked him a question about what his role might be in Miami or if they had predetermined a role for him in those contract negotiations. And he said, no, I just want to help the team win whatever way I can. So that mindset still on that same brand there, he talked about being physical and how he wants to hit the ball, the defender before they hit him. That's his mindset. That's how he would describe his running style. And if you want to talk about physicality in the game of football in general on the other side of the ball, defensive end Emmanuel Ogba, I had a chance to go over his tape. We're going to cover this on next week's podcast. That dude plays physical, physical football. When he hits you, when he strikes you with those hands, those guys feel it. A lot of times he's denting that edge backwards. That's fun to watch. We'll cover that again Next week on the podcast. But the main takeaway from me on Emmanuel's interview with the South Florida media was that he said he got cleared from his torn pec, which cost him the last six games and the playoffs and Super Bowl last year for Kansas City with a torn pec muscle. He said that he was cleared four to five weeks ago from that pec to work on field drills, although obviously he can't do that right now because of the restrictions with coronavirus, but he is doing some conditioning, push ups and sit ups. But as soon as we can get back to life and get back to football, Ogba is going to be out there and be a full go for practices for your Miami Dolphins. Now, he also mentioned the reason he came to Miami. Common theme here, right? He said that a lot of teams were on him in free agency. The Dolphins were on him hard, but that he wanted to choose the Dolphins because he wanted to play for Coach Flores, one of the best defensive minds in football, in Ogba's words. And up next was Kyle Van Noy. And if you haven't had a chance to see Kyle Van Noy talk or see videos where he's mic'd up, go over to YouTube right now and check out the Kyle Van Noy video because this guy just illuminates personality and kindness. And you would just never know that he's this rough and tough and rugged football player when you consider his off-the-field demeanor and just how kind of gentle-sounding he is. But he had some very good sound clips on this availability. And I want to go ahead and start right here with the first one where he was asked about Brian Flores, and he said with a big smile on his face, You probably wish you could play for him if you played football. The toughness that he has, the grit that he has, he's the same guy every day. He's ready to go to work every single day. Also said that he doesn't like being called a linebacker or a defensive end because he's just a football player and we know how important that is in Brian Flores' positionless defense versatility rushing the passer playing the run dropping into coverage he does it all but you didn't just sign van noy for how great of a guy he is for how much production he gives you on the football field and for his versatility you also signed him because of his leadership and he's more than well aware of that knows that he's one of the older players on this young football team and that he is really excited about embracing that leadership role to help the younger guys not just on the football field but off of it as well And then saving the best for the last, somebody asked a question, I believe it was ESPN's Cam Wolf, asked him a question about his best Flores story, and he thought on it for a second, but then came back with this 2018 story with the Patriots. It was a December day, late in the season, cold out there in Foxborough, and they had a bad practice. Things were not going well, and Flores kind of gathered the leaders, being Kyle Van Noy and Dante Hightower of that linebacker room, and said, look guys, we we're not doing this the right way today. We're not just out here just to be out here. We're trying to get things done. And Kyle spoke about how that resonated with him on the practice field at that moment. But once they got into the film room and they were shown the lack of energy or the lack of enthusiasm at practice And it really woke them up as to say, like, we need this kick in the pants right now to get things going, to get things cranking. And that kind of changed the energy for the week. Then during the game on Sunday, as you're preparing for the game all week long, the same situation they are preparing for that got that note from Brian Flores shows up in the game and both Van Noy and Hightower made a play on the football and they come back to the sideline and they're kind of razzing Coach Flores about not being out here just to be out here. So he has that teaching mentality that resonates with the team, but they also have the comfortability and the the familiarity with Brian Flores to be able to joke around and mess around with him. So it's not like that player's coach where they love him because he's easy and doesn't set strong boundaries. It's the player's coach that has these strict boundaries and knows when to be serious, when to be tough. And having that balance, that very delicate balance is how you earn respect in this league. And then finally, I wanted to throw this last note on here because this is like my favorite thing as a lifelong football fan. The Finns, I'm a West Coast, I grew up on the West Coast, so the games were always at 10 o'clock AM for me out here, and... When the Finns get that win in the 10 a.m. window, you have the rest of the day to watch the afternoon games and then to watch the night game. And it's just so much better, so much more enjoyable to watch other teams play when you have a Dolphins win in your back pocket. And Van Noy mentioned the exact same thing, how much he loves getting that win in the 1 o'clock Eastern window and then going home and enjoying the night with a win in his back pocket and watching other teams play ball. So you. Check out the YouTube stuff, Miami Dolphins' YouTube channel. We have all the videos of these interviews. We've got one more to get to, but I want to just make a mention to go out go out there and check these videos out because these guys all have personality. They're all very well versed in the leadership, the versatility, all the things we've preached on this podcast for the month that I've been doing it now. These guys all really, really emanate that personality and that style. I promise you're going to enjoy it. And we'll go ahead and finish up here with Shaq Lawson, defensive end, coming over from Buffalo. You heard him on the podcast last week, and he kind of reiterated a lot of those points about what makes him a special football player and why he decided to join the Miami Dolphins mentioned reuniting with Marion hobby, his former defensive line coach at Clemson talked about the differences between he and Christian Wilkins and said, the only difference between he and Christian is that Christian has done everything. And by that, he means score a touchdown on the offensive side of the ball. So clearly Shaq trying to help the team win in any way he can. He was also asked about what it means to him to set the edge and you could tell a certain sense of pride. He even said himself, he takes pride and not letting anybody out of his gap because on defense you're going to be responsible for certain gaps on the defensive line and Shaq has that off the edge mainly setting the edge as the defensive end and he really takes pride in setting that edge making sure nobody gets out of his gap and also resetting the line of scrimmage by shocking the offensive line moving them backwards and pushing them into the ball carrier and he said that's how you get to those TFLs and of course Shaq had the second most TFLs among defensive linemen last season in the NFL. So again, go check out all those videos on the Miami Dolphins YouTube channel. We'll probably have them up on the social medias as well here soon. And I want to give you guys a quick glimpse into what we're doing on the podcast next week. I've got about six or seven players done in terms of watching all their reps from tape last year. Been a busy week doing that. And we're going to get kind of into the weeds on that all 22 and tell you what makes these players special and a big reason why so many pundits around the league are saying this Miami Dolphins team really did a good job in free agency of improving this roster and just how intelligent these guys are when it comes to playing on the field, knowing their job and getting that job done. And it really points to this idea about all the veteran leadership the Dolphins brought in this offseason, which could really help in a possibly shortened offseason with the coronavirus going around. That plus the presence of of young leaders like Christian Wilkins, Jerome Baker, Raekwon McMillan, and not to mention the vets that have been here for a couple of years, like a Bobby McCain, for instance. There's a theme building here and that theme was really perpetuated by this year's free agency class. So check in on the podcast next week. We're going to go in on the film on several of these guys. Like, for instance, I tweeted on Thursday, I believe it was, maybe it was Wednesday, about Byron Jones in a one-on-one rep against Terry McLaurin of Washington, who ran a 4-3-5-40-yard dash at the Combine just last year. And Byron Jones... Goes stride for stride with him on a post route where he's playing from outside leverage, which means he's already outflanked to the post route and he just stays in that hip pocket, showing you the world class speed. So, we're going to go over several plays like that, tell you which plays that you should go check out on Game Pass to get a good feel for what these guys can do best here in Miami. We'll have all that next week. But as for today's podcast, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your shows from. Go ahead and leave us a rating leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. And of course, check out the Fish Tank and Audible podcast as well as MiamiDolphins.com and the YouTube channel for all those
0: videos. Until next time, fins up. Fins up. Fins up.